The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. I always say it. I always mean it. And people tell us it's absolutely true. Let's see what the buzz is today. Okay. We have a quote from Business Insider, an interesting article back in December 2016 by a writer named Andrew Miola, M-E-O-L-A, if you want to look him up. Here's the quote. The International Energy Agency expects global energy demand to increase by 37% by the year 2014. 40, which would likely put a strain on energy supplies. And I'm going to say, you think? But utility companies are finding solutions thanks to, drum roll please, the Internet of Things. So let's look at this from a real world perspective. Yes, we know we are consuming more energy every year. And what does this mean for the utilities industry? Many of them are scrambling to meet the demand. They may have old infrastructures, old outdated equipment. They are not connecting with customers. They don't have up-to-date connection ability to tell people what they're using, how they're using it. They're not so keen on sustainable energy yet. They really have a lot of catching up to do. Not all, but some. Where is the solution going to come from? IoT to the rescue. In case you've been asleep at the wheel, IoT is the Internet of things. So in addition to enhancing renewable energy, there's your sustainable characteristic, solar and wind, innovative IoT-enabled smart grids, smart meters, come on, you've heard of these, and home automation systems are helping to make our energy use more efficient. And here's the kicker, they're giving utilities the data they need to analyze what's going on, how are they delivering services, how efficient are their operations, and guess what? To help improve what they're doing so we are happier consumers. You might not always have a choice of utilities in your area, but it would be nice if they were up to date and everything was efficient and cost effective. Yes, yes, win-win. I have a panel of three experts to help us talk about and take a deep dive into utilities and IoT, and that's the title of this episode, IoT for Utilities. Get smart, run smart. Yes, again. I'll be talking to, in just a moment, Anil Parikh. He's a Principal Director of Accenture's Digital Grid. Joining him on the panel, all three are new, by the way. Tom Raftery, Vice President and Global IoT Evangelist and Futurist at IoT. Love that title, Tom. And Tom has the world's greatest business card. I'll tell you about it later. And rounding out the panel is also Ken Pierce, also at SAP. Let me read you his title. 
global leader of SAP Leonardo Internet of Things for the Connected Assets category and global Leonardo IoT lead of energy and natural resources sector at SAP. That's a lot of titles, and I think you need a bigger card. Ken Pierce, welcome to all of you. Now, I'm going to circle around the table to Anil Parekh at Accenture. By the way, Anil, we had somebody from Accenture on our morning show today. So there, this is Accenture Day at SAP Radio. Anil has sent us a quote from Stuart Brand, and this is a wonderful quote. I've used it myself many times. Uh, And Stuart Brand, if you don't know him, born in 1938, I call him a kid, is an American writer best known as the editor of the Whole Earth Catalog. My goodness. He also wrote a book called Whole Earth Discipline, an eco-pragmatist manifesto. And very interestingly enough, in 1967, he was pushing for satellite images of the entire Earth seen from space. He even sold buttons for 25 cents asking, why haven't we seen a photograph of the whole Earth yet? And our Buckminster Fuller, known in the industry as Bucky Fuller, offered to help Stuart Brand with the project. And then we got the images from the ATS-3 satellite. And they were featured in the first edition of the Whole Earth Catalog in 1968. So Stuart Brand is a, a change maker. He's a game changer. Here's the quote. Love it. Once a new technology rolls over you, if you're not part of the steamroller, you're part of the road. Anil, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie, and thank you for having me here. And uh, yes, I'm great, and it's great to hear the topic for the day. Um, yeah, and the quote is phenomenal, and, and uh, I'm glad you gave the background to Stuart Brand because, to be honest, I haven't read all his great work, but he, he, he brings to light one really important thing that our industry, I think, is on the verge of, and that's going from imagination to innovation. Because the Internet of Things, as you, as you, you know, preface very well, is something that is really game-changing. We've seen so many things happen in the last decade, not just in the utilities industry, but, but across a number of industries. Um, the phrase we typically use is the industrial Internet of Things, but in any case, it's about devices, it's about connectivity. But I look back and I think over the last decade, uh, one of my colleagues um, actually used that quote, and I'll give him a shout out, Rohit Banerjee, in our, in our digital practice. And he used that mm-hmm. with a client we were meeting, uh, a utility. And we discussed how things have changed over the last 10 years. And one of the key things that he pointed out was um, the logarithmic rate at which costs are reduced around not just sensors and devices and so forth, around the technology, the Internet of Things, but also a lot of other stuff. So I didn't know this, but if you baseline everything back to 2000, then the cost of cloud storage has decreased phenomenally, but actually solar PV has decreased faster. So disruption isn't just happening due to the Internet of Things in the utility industry, but there is a whole bunch of other stuff going on. And I think what we're seeing is the combination of trends coming together today, which is causing huge disruption across not just the utilities industry, but a number of industries. And I think the Internet of Things changing today, the, the way in which not, every, not only the way in which people connect to devices or devices connect to other devices, but actually changing the way businesses need to operate. And I think there are three things that I would take away when I think mm-hmm. about Im- imagination to innovation. The IoT agenda, yes, everybody knows it improves the way in which you can get insight into what's going on. Mm-hmm. Increasingly, businesses need to start thinking about how they can adopt that 
how they can innovate and actually create new sources of revenue. So top-line growth is not just about efficiency and getting better insights, mm-hmm. but how do you create new businesses to create top-line growth as a result? So I don't think it's any more about selling products or commodities. It's about selling that and services that can create new top-line growth. So I think we're, we're at the cusp of massive change. I think utilities today need to look up and see how the potential of such technology and the combination of not just IoT but a number of other trends actually brings together the opportunity to change the way they do business. Um, I think that's really the big takeaway for me from Stuart Brand. So thank you thank for anyway, you. asking me on the show. Oh. Uh, Neil, we're delighted to have you. That was great. And, and I just have a quick question for you before I bring on Tom Rafferty. And Tom, I see, is tweeting. We're on the air live. Yes, we are. Uh, Anil, do you think this, this show today, you and Tom and Ken, what we're going to talk about, is this a wake-up call for utilities? Or do you think they're saying, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. we got to get with the program, imagination to innovation. Yeah, it's rolling over us as Bonnie's speaking and as Anil's speaking. Do you think this is a call to action or do you think it's a reminder or a breaking news? What are they saying about this topic? I think it's breaking news, to be honest, because wow. the, the, call, the call to action here is very simple. If you, do not, if you don't take charge of the agenda, then somebody else is going to disrupt your business. You, why do you need a utility today? when you can potentially trade between your neighbor who has a solar panel and the next, next house along can buy the electricity from them when they don't need it. I think the role of the utility is fundamentally challenged because the Internet of Things allows you to connect not just devices but ecosystems. And I think there's a huge, huge change about to happen. And regulators right, are probably going to be catching on to this and looking for efficiency improvements and disruptors and new entrants are going to be looking to ways to disrupt that industry. Thank you very much. And disruption is a very apropos word. And Neil, again, pleasure to have you on. And now let's turn to Mr. Tom Raftery. And Tom, I have to tell everybody that I met you, courtesy of our mutual colleague, James McClelland, who was the sponsor of this series. And I know James is listening. James, I might make you blush here. And James brought you into the radio studio where I was broadcasting live from Sapphire for three days, introduced you, and you handed me a little tiny slip of what would look like a slice of a a normal business card, normal meaning traditional. It had your picture. It had a couple of choice words about who you are, how to contact you, your title, and that was it. It's the kind of thing you could almost forget you had, but I kept it because it was so fabulous. And I happened to put it on my desk in my office, and last week I picked it up and said, that's a really great business card. If I ever want them, I would use this service Tom used. And two days later, James said, guess what? Tom is going to be on the show. So to me, this is a little bit of synchronicity. Tom Raftery, I'm welcoming you. And Tom has sent us a wonderful quote from Nikola Tesla. Anybody doesn't remember the name? Yes, there was a person named Tesla before there was a car named Tesla. Nikola spelled with an N-I-K-O-L-A. 1856 to 1943, a Serbian-American inventor, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, physicist, and futurist best known for his contributions to the design of AC. That's the Modern Alternating Current Electricity Supply System. He also built a wireless-controlled boat. Maybe that's the uh, the, ad- the uh, advance or in advance of the self-driving car, one of the first ever exhibited. But here's interesting. He died in New York City in 1943, and he became obscure after that. Nobody really thought about him until... 
Fast forward to 1960, the General Conference on Weights and Measures named the SI unit of magnetic flux density, yes, I said that, the Tesla in his honor. Since then, everybody wants to talk about Nikola Tesla, so thank goodness for people talking about people who did make a contribution and were forgotten. Here is the quote. You know I'd get to it eventually, Tom. Quote, when wireless is perfectly applied, the whole earth will be converted into a huge brain, which in fact it is, all things being particles of a real and rhythmic whole. Tom Raftery, how are you in person? Hello. Bonnie, thanks for having me on the show. The, the Delighted. Quote from Nikola yep. Tesla, I mean, talk, thank you. Uh, the, the quote from Nikola Tesla is massively, massively, massively impressive to me because he said that in 1926. In 1926, mm-hmm. he was talking about the future of wireless. Now, that is absolutely unbelievably prescient. Uh, and, you know, when, when everything is connected, I mean, that's what, that's what the Internet of Things is all about. It's having everything connected. And, you know, this is my balawick. The Internet of Things is the kind of thing that I, I do day in and day out. And for me, it's very futuristic. Today, almost 100 years later, and the idea of... The applying the Internet of Things to the utility industry, I think, is phenomenal. Because when we've got full end-to-end connectivity from the sources of generation right through to the sources of consumption, suddenly we can start adding intelligence into the system. It becomes a huge brain, as Nikola Tesla said. And we can, have, we can start to have things like automated demand response. We can have the devices listening to signals from the generation and adjusting their behavior to correspond to the, you know, spikes in demand, or sorry, spikes in generation or dips in generation. And therefore, the whole system becomes far, far, far more stable, which, of course, allows us to introduce more variable sources of generation into the system, more solar, more wind, etc., without disrupting the system. So, for me, the, the, the idea of turning the, the grid into a smart grid, into a giant brain, maps beautifully onto Nikola Tesla's quote. I love that. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked your colleague, Anil Parekh, on the panel a few minutes ago. Is this breaking news, our conversation today? Are utilities getting a wake-up call, courtesy of the three of you and James McClelland, who came up with this topic? Are they saying, yeah, we know, we know, we're getting there, leave us alone? Are they saying, what? what, are the, what where, where do you think they sit or stand on this topic? You know, uh, utility industries are, and we, we all know this, they're, they're a risk-averse uh, industry. And they have to be because of the kind of assets they're managing and because of the kind of service they have to deliver. Consequently, they have been hearing this message for a while, but they're slow to act on it uh, because they're risk-averse. And, you know, as I say, it's, it's understandable. The issue for them, though, is they're going to be outmaneuvered or disrupted by startups who can suddenly start to come in very easily to what has been an asset-intensive industry up until now and will continue to be an asset-intensive industry, but with the likes of things like product-as-a-service, startup costs for asset-intensive industries are going to collapse. Also, cost of generation are falling, as Amir referred to, so uh, they're going to have to diversify their sources of income. And these are things that are, you know knocking on their door 
and they will have to have to have to respond very quickly or they are going to be in big, big trouble. Thank you very much. Very well put. And now let's welcome Mr. Ken Pierce. Ken's waiting waiting patiently. And Ken, I have breaking news for you. You sent me a quote from Darwin, but it really isn't. There is a Darwin Correspondence Project based at Cambridge University that looked through over 7,500 letters written or received by Darwin. And this falls under the six things Darwin never said. However... However, it was said in reference to Darwin by a business professor in 1963 from Louisiana State University at the Southwestern Social Science Association. And his name, almost famously, because we keep mentioning him on the show, is Leon C. Meganson. So now I will read the quote and everybody will say, yeah, Darwin said that. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But this is what Meganson thought he said. Quote, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent but the one that is most adaptable to change. Ken Pierce, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing well, Bonnie, and thanks for having me on the show. We are so pleased. So talk to me. Forget about who said the quote. It's still a great one. So let's relate it to utilities, upgrading, changing infrastructure, getting sustainable, being efficient, (laughs) talking to customers, all that good stuff. How does this have to do with utilities and IoT? So the quote here uh, that is often credited to Darwin, but uh, he so famously corrected, uh, it's really about <laughs> adaptability, the ability to transform. And what we're seeing in utilities with IoT is the ability to take technology that they have had in place across a lot of utilities for the last 30 years. IoT isn't really new for utilities. The ability to bring data from SCADA systems or the ability to tie into historians uh, are directly to pieces of equipment, monitor their equipment, and take, you know, action to do some basic analytics have uh, has been there for 30 plus years. Today, the change is how do we use more of this data to adapt and transform the business at hand. And we're seeing utilities have to do this just to survive. Uh, as you said, you know, generation is moving um, well, not power generation, but the need for energy demand is moving up the chain, right? More and more and more. We see McKinsey saying the same thing in their reports. We're seeing IDC saying the same thing. But it's the change in the type of energy that's starting to come to fruition, right? The power generation being um, achieved through the use of coal is actually drastically diminishing. We see uh, coal mining companies going into bankruptcy and coming out of bankruptcy, right? So it's impacting that industry as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see renewables coming uh, and just growing like you know, tomorrow as it relates to uh, creating new sources of energy from hydro as well as wind as well as, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a cold today, as okay. well as um, solar and solar panels. And as Anil so, you know, Eloquently said earlier, it's not about the ability just to produce more energy. It's the new ways that energy can be consumed, traded, as well as uh, utilized and brought back by the grid. So we're seeing companies transform the way they do business in order to not only generate power, but to sell power across all aspects of it. And even getting into new ways of transforming their business, we have a huge uh, customer over in uh, the UK that now uh, owns a sensor-based company that runs out and they put sensors on you know electrical equipment, say your you know your drill, and measure electricity fluctuation so they can determine when that drill may be misperforming based on uh, its electrical consumption by the bushes and the bearings, and they're now offering these services 
to other industries so they can help them mm-hmm. operate better. So utility companies are transforming left and right, but not everybody is doing it. And as you, know, you look at the regulated industries here in the United States, um, they're slow to evolve. And they, they've never had to. You know, We as a customer have always been a meter. How much do we consume? That's how I consider myself here. I'm a meter at my house, right? Not a participant in the electric grid. But now in unregulated uh, countries, especially in the European markets, we're seeing a total change and a total transformation in how utility companies are working with their customers and working with uh, their partners, as well as providing new services. Uh, one of our utility companies actually owns a uh, organization and operates an organization that runs around and does washing machine repairs. Who would have thought the utility would do that? Absolutely, Ken. Very. Yeah, you dropped out for a second. I wasn't sure if you're still talking. Please continue. Go ahead. No, I'm done. That's it. It's all you, Bonnie. Very, very interesting. Do you think, Ken, that the fact that more and more consumers are becoming smart, that we're demanding sustainable, renewable energy, that we're being mindful of how much power we run, not letting the faucet drip and not letting the hose run in the yard past whatever, you know, and mindful of the, the water houring, watering hours and that we are trying to save energy within the home. Do you think that's a boost for the utilities? Are they happy to have customers, consumers who want to be partners in this effort to renew and sustain? Or do you think they're saying, nah, we'll do it, don't worry, we'll deliver it? What do you think? Are they annoyed or are they delighted that customers want to be part of this journey? I think it's a little of both, right, depending on uh, <laughs> the maturation of a utility, right? If you take some of the uh, older traditional utility companies, they still have the point of view of we're providing the service, we're the best, we're regulated, we know what we're doing, just buy, you know, your electricity, your gas, your water from us. Right? We're still going to provide that. Now, you take some of the more innovative companies, most of these aren't here in the United States, now they're really looking to provide new value, new services, not only at um, you know, the utilities industry, but to other industries so they can provide better services. And I really think it's, it's a matter of, as Tom referred to, you know, are we going to be a risk-adverse organization? And we're just going to survive. And I'm going to—I'll give an example of this. Right, years and years ago, I worked for a telco before the internet, you know, was just coming out. And the telcos all knew about, you know, your POTS lines, your long-distance lines. And we were I was part of a research project with Bell Labs. And I came back and uh, was asked, "How will the internet uh, impact baby bells?" So we had to give a mm-hmm. big presentation to the CEO at the time. And we told the CEO, "Yeah, we recommend." that the Baby Bell uh, that I worked for at the time become an internet service provider. Well, that Baby Bell, you know, and we told them long distance would go away, you know, PCS, uh, wireless uh, frequencies were auctioned off. We said when we look at this, the internet with, you know, MP3 was, you know, a big thing back then. But all these things are going to impact how how a, not a utility, but a telco will be able to offer a set of services. And basically, they laughed the Bell Labs team as well as uh, the team I worked for for the company that in the advanced research division out of the office. We'll always have long distance. We'll always have the POTS line. We'll always have the customer. 
Well, today that baby bell doesn't exist, like other baby bells. They didn't become ISPs. They didn't offer new innovation services. They didn't do anything except try to stay and survive without adapting. And back to the quote, if you don't adapt, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be around anymore. There you go. That's our word. Change and adapt. And we're back to Meganson and, and Darwin. God bless them. Thank you very much, Ken. Pleasure to meet you. And now we're going to give our panelists a little bit break. It's going to be the easy part of the show. I'm going to ask each of you where you're calling from or where did we call you and what's in your cup today. This is called What's in Your Cup Today. We just want to know if you're not drinking anything really, really interesting, Anil and Tom and mm-hmm. Ken, I want to know what are you planning to drink later to celebrate or what are you saving for? For New Year's Eve 2020, which has got to be a special celebration for all of us. So, Mr. Anil Parikh, where are you mm. and what are you drinking or what do you love to drink? Well, I, I, I'm in the boring office at the moment, so nothing very exciting. But I am looking forward to a nice glass of Merlot in about an hour's time. Uh, meeting some folks in London, uh, sitting outside, taking advantage of the unseasonally uh, cool weather. Uh, it's been very mm. hot in London the last month, so going to enjoy that. And do you have a favorite brand? What's on the label of that Merlot or just whatever the house Merlot is, if such a thing exists? I think it might just be the house Merlot. But if I'm, if I'm lucky and I feel flush, then it could be a Pomerol. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll be following that. You can raise a glass for us, Anil. Now, Tom Raftery, where are you today and what do you love to drink? So I'm at home today in Seville in the south of Spain. Mm. Uh, and although I've yeah, it's beautiful here, i got to say. Uh, and, you know, despite my strong Spanish accent, I'm actually not from Spain originally. Uh, I know you're shocked. Uh, I'm originally from <laughs> Ireland, and, you know... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Tom, Tom, you know what they tell comedians? They tell comedians, don't step on the laugh. you got to give me a second there, because that was very charming. So, I finished <laughs> laughing. Now you can finish the story. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I caught my breath. Right. Go ahead, Mr. Raftery. Cool. So, so, coming from Ireland, we have a bit of a stereotype in Ireland of being beer drinkers. And, you know, hey, it's, it's a tough stereotype. It's, 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 it's a big responsibility to, to live up to. But, you know, I, I do my best. I do. Uh, I'm not drinking beer now, but I have a fridge full of the local beer here, which is called Cruz Campo. And when the show ends, I'm going to go out and pull out a nice cold beer, sit out beside the swimming pool, which you know, it light is falling now. It's 8.30 in the afternoon here, in the evening here. But I'll be sitting out beside the pool with a nice, cool Cruz Campo in my glass. Oh, my. I'm in dreamland right now between the accent and the joke and the, and the yes, and the beer. Yes, we, we are enjoying this very much. Ken Pierce, I won't ask you to top that, but Ken, where are you? And what's in your cup or what do you love to drink instead? Well, Bonnie, uh, unlike Neil, I live in uh, this wonderful place called Denver, Colorado, sometimes referred to as God's country. And mm-hmm. uh, it is unseasonably hot. Just absolutely mm. burning up here lately. Uh, global warming in the summer and global cooling in the winter at extremes here lately. Uh, so, back to our energy uh, usage, our, our wonderful Excel is struggling from one end to the other, all four seasons. So, when uh, I have something to drink, that's a good idea. I mean, for me, it's 12.30, and, you know, I'm listening to Tom and Anil, and, you know, my mouth is starting to water, and I'm wondering, well, what am I going to have to drink? 
later today. Uh, God knows, whatever's available. But <laughs> we do have a favorite drink uh, around the house here, but we call it courage. A little bit about the background of courage is, you know, it's something we make. It's a little homebrew. Uh, my wife grew up in Saudi Arabia. Now, obviously, you can't have alcohol there. And so what would happen is uh, they would make their own homebrew. They would buy sugar, add a little plant food, a lot of yeast, and make moonshine. Uh, as part of that process, they would then turn that into uh, a you know, homemade Grand Meunier. They would add cloves and oranges, and you know, they would Ooh. distill it for a while and let it age. And uh, Well, we still do that here at our house. Uh, we don't actually have the still. We use Everclear, and it's called courage because we take it up to the mountains when we go skiing, and it's really warm, and... You take a drink on the chair, and it gives you a little courage to do some of those bike diamond runs. In the summer, we take it up on the mountain. It warms you up a little bit, and it gives you courage to do a little extreme mountain biking. So uh, we love courage, and we love the Grand Meunier, and uh, it's my favorite drink. That is very, very interesting. You know, Ken, if you remember, we had a prep call a couple of days ago, and I always tease my panelists. I say, be creative and think about what you want to tell me on the air that you love to drink. And I always mention in my long list, coffee, tea, water, juice, soda, milk, beer, wine. I'm, I'm waiting for the transcript people to pick this one up. Coffee, tea, water, juice, soda, milk, beer, wine, curing espresso, champagne. And then I say, are you brewing gin in the bathtub? Or are you making Kahlua in the kitchen sink? And here you're talking about <laughs> Thank you very much, Grandma. Is well done is very powerful stuff, isn't it, Ken? One whiff out of that bottle could knock you down. Am I right? Well, if you wait five years, it's just perfect to drink. Okay. I will remember that. Thank you. Somebody left a bottle of it in my liquor cabinet long ago and far away. I'll have to remember and see. I think we're up to four years. Maybe it's five, so it's time to open it and celebrate. Thank you, gentlemen. Guess what? I'm going to give the three of you a break. We are talking in between all the camaraderie. We are talking about a very serious topic. IoT, that's Internet of Things for Utilities. Get smart, run smart. Are utilities keeping up with the demand for renewable, sustainable? Are they being efficient? Are they falling behind the curve? Are they using imagination? nation to innovation? Do they understand how many services they can actually sell for more revenue streams? A lot more and more and more coming from my three experts today, Adil Parrick from Accenture, Tom Raftery, and Ken Pierce from SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and this is a doubleheader way to show at 10 o'clock this morning. So I'm just drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug. And James McClelland, if you want to tweet what you're drinking, because I know James is listening, or, or tell the engineer when he'll tell me when we're on the break. So we're going to take a quick break, 90 seconds. You can count them with us. We're not going to be singing and dancing. We're going to be working on what... Anil is going to start the roundtable with when we come back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss 
discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game-Changing Utilities of the Future is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game-changing utilities of the future. Yes, exactly, game-changing utilities of the future. I think the future is right now for utilities. We're doing a, a hearkening call here on the radio show with Anil Parikh at Accenture, Tom Raftery at SAP, and Ken Pierce talking about the wake-up call for utilities, IoT to the rescue, Use it. Think about it. Advance forward with it. Get smart with it and run smart. There you go. We covered all the bases. So we're going to start the roundtable in earnest with some notes from Anil at Accenture. Here's what Anil told me before the show. This is very interesting. He'll talk for a couple minutes and then we'll invite Tom and Ken to share their POV. So Anil says, many interesting science experiments, and he put quotes around that, science experiments can be found in POCs. I'll translate. That's proof of concepts and pilot projects, but none at scale implementations of Internet of Things stand out today. Anil, please translate this and tell us more. Yeah, Bonnie, I think, I think this is interesting because you know, I've seen over the last three or four years um, working in this area with utilities that we've seen people start with proof of concepts or pilot projects. As I mentioned before the break, you know, a lot of technology costs have been coming down. Businesses are interested in what can they do with it. So the experiment, so hence the science experiment. You know, the industry has been connected for a long time. You've got SCADA systems which pick up data from, you know, networks. You know, they're held in some kind of technology database which is used by the operator. So the business has been connected for a long, long time, for decades. What's happening is they don't know what to do with the data today because there's more data available mm-hmm. as more, more of these devices become connected. And so they experiment. And, and these experiments are usually things like, um, can I understand the health of my transformer? You know, can I predict when it might fail? Um, this is not new. Other industries have been doing this sort of thing for a long, long time. Utilities, I think Tom mentioned earlier, a little bit more conservative. They tend to be regulated and to operate at a different pace. Um, I guess the competitive dynamic has been missing for a while, and I think before the break we alluded to that as being being a challenge that could be about to change. Right? I think we are about mm-hmm. to get disrupted. So, how do you scale? How do you how do you go beyond the experiment to really make a change? How do you pivot <clears throat> to the new, as, as as we might say? And I think this is the, this is the real big issue. And I think you come mm-hmm. up with a two or three. One, regu- there is no incentive from a regulatory standpoint to really mm-hmm. do 
much more than just replace your, your assets. You just spend more money. Okay. If it's going to break, you spend and replace it. There is no incentive to operate it uh, differently. Um, there is an incentive to be more efficient, but you can just do that uh, by, by just being more efficient in the way you run your business today. You mm-hmm. don't have to change your business. So I think the incentive to change has been missing. So we don't see any of these ideas scaling up to really change the way things work. The other, other interesting thing I've seen um, in this challenge is a technology challenge, actually. Um, look, the plumbing in utilities, utilities have been running the way they've been running for decades. So all the technology plumbing is often quite old, too. So that becomes a really big, scary beast to open up. Um, somebody once said to me, nobody wants to do, no CIO wants to do open-heart surgery on the technology landscape to take advantage of the new. So the next question is, well, how do they scale up if they've got such complicated, you know, sclerotic systems? And I think the big issue here is finding a way to break through the old barriers to change, whether it's regulatory, whether it's organizational inertia, or whether it's technology that's getting in the way. Um, And I'd be curious to hear also from the rest of the panel, right? What are they seeing in this area? Because for us, I think the big issue is taking that first step but then having the courage to go beyond that first step and actually scale out what you do today. So these experiments, they're not failed experiments. They're experiments Mm -hmm. that the people have not decided to scale for one reason or another. And I think, therefore, there's a huge opportunity just sitting out there, not only to do business better than you do today, but actually change it fundamentally if you do scale up. And that that forces you to change, right? But I think that needs a brave brave organization um, to, to break out of it. I hope Very that brave competitive and I, dynamics will do that. I'm wondering that. if it's paralysis by analysis. Do you think they're looking at it <laughs> so long and so deep they're saying, well, I don't know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. We'll just replace a few turbines and a few warehouses and a few power lines and everything will be fine. Let, let me just let that sit there and let me bring in Tom Raftery and then Ken Pierce. Tom, love to get your thoughts on a provocative statement from Anil. What do you think? You know, I, I agree with a lot of what Anil says, to be honest. <clears throat> uh, one thing I would, one caveat I would put in place is, yes, there are a lot of proof of concepts and a lot of trials going on. But on the other hand, the Internet of Things is a very nascent technology. And I think we are, with the Internet of Things now, at the same kind of point with the Internet of Things now, as we were with the, the web in, say, 95, 96, and if you could remember that far back, and, and unfortunately I can, um, at that time, companies, you know, they maybe had a website and they might have had an email address for the entire organization. And you contrast that to where we are today with, with the web and the internet and where organizations are now. And I think we are, we're at that kind of inflection point now with the Internet of Things. And there, there are some fascinating proof of concepts and, and, and tests and trials going on, but it's, it's, we're, we're still at very early days. I mean, Green Mountain Power, for example, in Vermont did a very interesting test, and they're still rolling it out, where they got together with Tesla and they're, they're, they're offering their customers a Tesla battery, as, as, you know, an, a wall-mounted battery for energy storage for $15 a month. So if you're a customer of Green Mountain Power, you can get a Tesla battery, which is several thousand dollars worth. You can get it for $15 a month, which means during times of outages, you can stay up. You, you still have power. You're taking it out of the battery. 
uh, and you're just paying $15 a month for that. And what, what Green Mountain Power get is they get access to the battery for frequency regulation. So their mm-hmm. grid becomes a lot more stable. Now, that's a super interesting use case, I think. Kazo, uh, the, the system operator in, in California, ran a test with First Solar last year. And that was a fascinating test to see if solar farms could be, solar farms with smart inverters, if they could be used for frequency regulation. And yes, they can. And the, the, the results of the test demonstrated that solar plants can be, can be used for frequency regulation and frequency response at the same and even at higher uh, reliability than gas-fired peaker plants. So, I mean, we're seeing all kinds of interesting things happening from the tests that are, that are being put out there. We saw a test in New York where community solar power was uh, traded between houses using blockchain. I mean, the, 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 all these tests are necessary uh, before we can move to full-scale implementation, and we're still at very, very early days. So disruption is coming. It's coming big, big, big time. But there are some really interesting things that, are have, that have to happen first, and these proof of concepts have to be tried before this can happen. But I'm, I'm optimistic for how it's going to work out for the customer. For the utilities, it depends on you know, how willing they are to go from proof of concepts to actually rolling out uh, full-scale change. Very interesting points you added. Thank you so much, Tom. And we'll talk a little bit about that optimism. And before we end the show, I want to ask the three of you about who's in charge, who's running utilities today, what's their mindset? Is there an influx of millennials who are saying, yes, renewable, yes, sustainable, yes, transform, forget about replacement. So we'll talk a little bit about who's minding the store, if you will. Uh, We want to get Ken Pearson on this very exciting conversation. Ken, what do you think? Emil is absolutely right. Uh, Everybody's running around, as I would say, putting their you know, toe in the pool, seeing if the water is the right temperature, you know, getting ready to dive in. But they're being a little slow. Uh, They're putting their toe in all different parts of the pool, whether it's demand-based pricing, whether it's solar, whether it's operational efficiencies. You know, being a slow uh, adopter of technologies, the utilities companies, you know, they're going to wait till everybody else is in the water. Uh, And then they might decide to sit on the edge put their legs in, and then, you know, slowly immerse their body there into, you know, the IoT pool. I happen to live about three miles as a crow flies from the National uh, Renewable Energy Laboratories here in Colorado. And when I speak with friends of mine that work there, the one thing that I see is they're all working on these different projects. A lot of them are IoT-related, but they're all Mm -hmm. over the place. So the utility companies are hearing messages from multiple sources about, the greatness of IoT, but they don't know where to get started. Uh, and they don't even know if they want to start. Recently, I have had some discussions uh, with IDC about, you know, what do you see our customers, you know, the big CEOs, where does IoT uh, sit on the agenda in ENR company? And one of the things that I discovered, this was about a year ago to today, was it's not in their corporate strategies. They don't mm-hmm. see IoT as something that is going to transform and change the way they are going to do business, I mean, true business execution. They see it as another technology play. And until the utilities are either suffer some big outage, which could have been resolved or avoided mm-hmm. completely with IoT type, the technologies and regulations get put into play, I don't think they're going to jump into the pool with everybody else. I think they're going to be the, the last people to go there. Or 
until they actually see the value that IoT will bring outside of the technology to drive new business paradigms, new revenue models, new services to the customer and put it as part of their overall corporate strategy. And that's where I think they are today. Let's run around to a bunch of POCs and uh, see what everybody else is going to do. Very interesting uh, comments. And you, you kind of wove in what I was asking. Let me go around the table now quickly before we pick a topic from Tom's list. Uh, who's running the store? Who's minding the store? We haven't talked about the people. Their age meaning, and don't take me wrong on this, no ageism here, uh, their age meaning how many years in the industry, how committed they are to, to what their business is supposed to be. What are you seeing? Any influx of young people in utilities or is it same old, same old it, it entrenched leadership? Let's start with any. Let's just go around the table quickly. Everybody give me a 60-second response, please. And Neil? No, I, th- I, think, I think this is a good question because it, it, it connects back to your point earlier about cons- I mean, the customer expectations, right? We, we as customers and, and, and the generations um, that are coming through or in their teens and 20s um, are expecting much more. I mean, they, they've lived with the Internet. So to Tom's point earlier, right, I mean, the Internet in the 90s was one thing and it's evolved and it's transformed completely to what it is today. Our expectations are different. You know, the iPhone is 10 years old apparently this year and I didn't realize that, but it just seems it's been there forever. And I look at my son, the other day he saw a, a old-fashioned telephone at a friend's house with a dial on it, and he, and he, and he grabbed me, he's nine years old, he grabbed <laughs> me, he, he ran over to the phone and said, Papa, Papa, what is that? I had to explain to him, that's a telephone. And he couldn't believe that a telephone could look <laughs> like this. Now, I think that expectation of the next generation, from a, from a workplace perspective, let alone being consumers, is completely different to what we have experienced in our lifetimes. And I think that mm-hmm. expectation challenge, right, for, for, for utilities around their employees is, is critical. Yes, there is an aging workforce issue that has been yeah. known for, for more than a decade, right? Um, but I think if utilities fail to attract the younger generations, that is going to be a key factor in actually driving a kind of a dinosaur effect, right? I don't think they'll become extinct necessarily, but I think it will um, really curtail the pace at which they can innovate. So I think the, that, that is a really critical and important point you raise. It's not just about the technology and the disruptions we've mm-hmm. talked about, but it's also about the people in these organizations and who have the imagination and, and who, who do want to take that leap, uh, you know, leapfrog forward uh, in some fashion. Thank you, Anil. Let's go to Tom Raftery. Tom, what do you think? The people part of utilities, uh, what, what are they thinking? What are they seeing? Where's their heart? Yeah, I mean, as Anil said, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating and important question because uh, we, we have seen over the last decade and more a graying of the workforce. And uh, there's a lot of knowledge that's being lost as people are moving out of the workforce. Uh, and and it's, it's hard uh, to attract younger people into utilities. I mean, uh, how many people do you know who are in school or who are in university who say, you know, oh, I'd really love to work for my local utility. It's such a sexy organization. You know, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> you don't hear it very often, to be honest. Now, having said that, a lot of that could change because, as we've said already in the show, Everything in utilities is changing or is about to change. And I think the utility industry is going to become a lot sexier because, because it's going to have to, A, to, to, to get the people, uh, the, the employees in, but B, 
because they're going to have to do a whole load of new stuff that they've never done before. The cost of generation, as we've alluded to, is, is cratering. Uh, and that means that utilities are likely going to have to move to an all-you-can-eat model, the kind of broadband model where, you know, you pay the utility uh, $50 a month or $100 a month, and then you get all the electricity you can consume. And electricity companies then, utility companies then, will charge extra for services that they will layer on top of that. And the services mm-hmm. can be anything from exceptional use cases of electricity or things like that. I mean, one example I talk about is... Um, uh, as, I said, as, I, as I said earlier, I live in the south of Spain, but my father lives in Ireland, and he's in his 80s. Would I pay his electricity company 10 euros a month to get a notification if his lights didn't go out at 11 o'clock at night or they didn't come on at 8 o'clock in the morning? Absolutely, I would. That's a very simple service for you to, to offer. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of people in his demographic, and it's an increasing demographic. It's, 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 a very, it's, a very, as I say, it's a very large demographic. And these people have lots of younger relatives like myself who would pay for a service like that. Or it needn't be that. It could just simply be if you have a second home and the lights go on and you're not there, you absolutely want to be notified. Or if you have a, a fridge full of meat there, or in my case, a fridge full of beer, uh, and, and the power <laughs> goes out, yes, you want to know about that. So, you know, these, these kind of other services are the things that utility companies are going to need to start doing to become attractive and interesting to their customers and by extension to the people they're trying to recruit into their organizations. Very interesting. That's a that's a double coin, double sided coin there. Ken Pierce, you know we're almost at the uh, crystal ball predictions round. So Ken, I'd love to get about two minutes from you on this topic, and then we're going to go into predictions. Ken, what do you think? Well, I think I am the father of two millennials. So uh, the one thing that I've learned with these two millennials is uh, they're demanding. They want everything right now. They want top-notch service, as Anil and Tom have referred to. You know, it's all about giving me what I need, when I need it, uh, an array of services. And in America, you know, we have regulated utilities. Everybody has their own little area. They provide gas. They provide electricity. They provide water. You know, how they do it doesn't matter. But I think the millennials are much more, as you referred to, Bonnie, uh, wanting to see changes. They don't want to see the old coal power generation in the coal train, you know, go across the railroad tracks down to the power generation to produce it. They don't want to see lines, you know, moving on, electrical lines moving all over the place in the country, right? They have, they are demanding, at least my two, you know, are demanding changes in how the world runs today. And I think the millennials have a right. You know, they were born with technology in their hands. Mm, they know right. what technology can do. And they don't understand how, you know, utilities are reaching out and providing more and being part of the greater good to the ecosystem versus just you know, given myself, you know, electricity I need, right? They're really looking at what is the utility doing. For example, there are places in the world today that don't even have electricity. There was a big story recently, I forget where I watched it, might have been on an airplane over to Lisbon last week, mm-hmm. right, where, uh, you know, there's a town in the mountains, you know, in Asia, all over the place, where these people still read by candlelight. They don't have electricity. Yeah. And the millennials, you know, they demand, you know, I'm not just buying from a company to get the service, right? I want a responsible company that I can buy my utility from 
I can buy my services from, that will provide services for me, but is also working for the greater good of the world. Very, very well put, Ken. I I have to interrupt because I've got to... Got to give you each 60 seconds, but I have to share, Anil, a quick story. My mom, who passed away in March at the age of 100 years, one month, and 15 days old, told the story on our TV show many times that one day she walked into the living room. She was the youngest of, of six siblings. She was the youngest by 15 years, and she was born in 1917, so you can figure out what the time frame is. Kid of about, I don't know, 10, 12. She walked into the living room, and there was a box, and everybody was standing around with their ear to this box, and she said, Papa, what is that? Anil is a sister. Starting to make sense, and they said, "Ruthie, it's a radio." She said, "But there are people inside of it talking." And they said, "I know it's a radio." So I had to share that story with you. You just touched my heart, and you didn't even know it. Four minutes to go, and Neil Parrick at Accenture. I give you exactly sixty seconds. Don't give me too many examples. Predictions. Look ahead about twenty twenty. What will change about the utilities industry and IoT? Anil, predictions. Go. Go. Okay. So uh, one thing I think electric vehicles will be increasingly more common, not just in California, but in, in the Western world as we, as we know it. Um, therefore, I think um, building on Tom's point around Tesla batteries in your home, building on the idea of microgrids, I think we're going to see utilities increasingly becoming disintermediated. By 2020, we'll see real change happening where utilities end up with stranded assets, i.e. the old networks, right? We should try to figure out how to get, make money from, whereas they'll be disrupted by distributed generation, microgrids, and new startups. I think we're going to see in 2020 a complete state of flux. Very interesting. Thank you. Tom Raftery, 60 seconds on the money. Go. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I agree with you, obviously, um, on all the points you made. Uh, one thing I would say is that I think Tesla will become a utility company and a distributed one. Uh, you know, Musk's plans of selling 400,000 or 500,000 uh, Tesla cars by, tw- by 2018, so just next year. If he gets halfway there, if he sells 250,000 cars next year, and bear in mind he already has 400,000 customers signed up who paid $1,000 each. If he just manages to produce 250,000 cars next year, and if they have batteries on average of 80 kilowatts, that's 20 gigawatt hours of storage right there per year per year distributed storage. That's a huge number of virtual power plants that he's going to have distributed globally, all of which he will be able to control because they all talk back to base. So they can become frequency regulation, they can become distributed storage, and they can become mobile storage, and they can do energy arbitrage. I think Tesla is going to be a huge player in the utilities industry. Great prediction. Look at the stock market. Thank you. Ken Pierce, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you, my friend. Go ahead. I think utilities are you know, going to be disrupted and turned completely on their head by 2020, by the end of 2020. For those companies that are able to adapt and able to change, they'll still be in business. For those companies that don't, they're going to follow the same path that the baby bells followed. They're going to be out of business. Somebody else, like a Tesla, is going to come in, take over their market. Somebody that uh, you know, is the next Google for utilities, and it'll be more than one company. And if they don't adapt and they don't change and they don't start using IoT technologies to grow their business and transform the way that they currently work, then it's going to totally uh, find themselves looking for new jobs and a new way of doing business. 
Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. I appreciate both of you, all three of you, rather. I'm texting to Kevin that we're ready to end the show. Anil Park, Accenture, thank you so much. Tom Raftery, finally, nice to meet you for the second time, and I do cherish your business card. Quickly, where did you get it printed, Tom? Was it moo.com, M-O-O? M-O-O.com, moo.com. That, called mini that's cards. it. Mini cards. Everybody go take a look. They're adorable. Even if you don't need a business card, you need one of these. Ken Pierce, such a pleasure speaking with all three of you. And a shout out to James McClellan for putting together such a great panel, James. Really interesting, nice people. So thank you, James. And we'll be coming back with another episode in a couple of weeks. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out quickly to Kevin, our engineer at World Talk Radio, the business channel. This is the end of our broadcast week. Five live shows a week. Yes, we're trying to change the game with Game Changers Radio. So here's my call to action. It's time to go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Be like Anil. Be like Tom. Be like Ken. Be like James. Go out and be a game changer today. And that's an order. And be nice to your utility. You probably need them more than they need you. Have a great one. Happy 4th to those in the New York and the U.S. area. And happy Canada Day to our neighbors to the north. Signing off for the week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management